0: Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 39th episode of the Truth Island podcast. William has just finished editing the last pages of his novel he has been working on for the past two years. He proudly presses the Control-S button on his Word document. Thoughts of how others will soon react to his masterpiece enter his head, with visions of national book tours, talk show appearances, and signing endless copies of his tour de force for endless lines of dedicated followers. But just how exactly should William proceed in getting his work out there once he decides to self-publish? Should he blast all of his friends on Facebook With posts saying, "Hey, look at me! Look at me, everyone! I just wrote a book. Come read it. It's so amazing! Come, everyone! Come." Nah, William says to himself, "That's narcissistic attention-seeking behavior." I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll just wait. What will I do in life? We are presented with the difficult obstacle of having to promote ourselves and the work that we are doing in order to get hired, earn a promotion or for some, the simple fact that it is nice to once hear the words, good job, keep up the amazing work. We wish to seek the recognition and monetary compensation that our work merits, but how exactly can we still come across as modest when putting ourselves out there? Joining me to help resolve this issue is marketing expert, Claire Bevan. Claire, let's help William sell a few copies of his book. What do you say?
1: Absolutely. Let's do it. Yeah. When I think about, you know, William's situation, he sounds like my kind of guy, to
0: be honest. You <laughs> Me know, too. I-, I like William. <laughs> we had and coffee I- the other day.
1: <laughs> Thank you. He's your homie. Yeah. I think there's something to people that live a life of humility that is impressive. And there's just an energy that you gravitate toward. That being said, there's nothing more attractive than confidence, right? And so I think that this is where we're going to really get into this conversation and weeding out what is humility and how can we act in it in an in a in a place of strength. Um there's this one symbol that I've always said if I was ever going to get a tattoo, which I don't have, but this is this is what I would get. And it's if I, you guys, listeners can just picture this, it's like a birds-eye view of two ram's horns hitting each other. So it's kind of like twirlies and let me think the name is it's dwen Dwenamin. it's an african symbol and it's it's meant to show humility and strength so the ram's horns are like hitting each other and Uh. there's this strength element but the humility is in that like the ram will give itself to slaughter and so i think finding that balance I've really struggled with as a very agreeable person who is a big feeler who you know is always taking on the emotions of anyone in a meeting or in a situation to come forth with some strength and some power, uh, but but to balance that with honesty and cope for how what you're going to say is going to impact the person that you're going to say it to.
0: You know, absolutely, and I think that before we even talk about humility. William needs confidence, whether he's a humble person, he needs to really believe in himself and he needs to believe that the book or the novel that he has just written is worthwhile and worthwhile for others to see.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that confidence in authors is what sells books, right? Because, you know, I think so often you realize that no one in the world really knows what they're doing. No one is that good. I mean, yes, there's the one percent in every field that is just spectacular, but all the others projecting their talent and other people are just listening to that projection. And so often we just we follow the herd, right? And and people get famous for all sorts of reasons. I I think of I, I did a lot of theater growing up, sure. and the one kid who um, I grew up with who you know made it and was on Broadway and in Hamilton. He's the kid who always said he was gonna do it. Like, you know, he he loved these stars. He always said he was gonna do it. There were tons of other talented people, you know, at his level, but he just, you know, it was no questions asked and lo and behold, you know, he made it happen. So I think there is that persistence and confidence and just, and and that's the other piece of like speaking it into the world and saying what you're gonna do and letting people hear that. And if you're doing that with honesty, that's gonna be pretty magnetic to people.
0: It's it's interesting you mentioned that story because sometimes the people who make it aren't necessarily always the best, but they do have confidence in themselves. This actually reminds me of a, a story, I think I read it in the New York Times actually. Uh, there was this elderly lady, I think she was in her eighties or nineties and she passes away. And when they're digging through her apartment, they find these manuscripts of these books that she had written. And they were like on the level of Charles Dickens, like high quality stuff. And, and, you know, they asked, I think uh, one of her, her son or one of her relatives, like, why didn't your mom ever publish any of this stuff? And she was like, oh, she was a very private person. You know, she didn't feel that her work was good enough to be out there. And I think that that's an issue. That's an example of somebody forget about humility, they don't actually have the confidence. So I think developing that confidence definitely comes first.
1: Is it possible also that that's fine? Is there something that missing from her life, from never being rewarded for that work or having that noticed? Maybe, probably,
0: but I, perhaps. I would push back and I would say that one you know that that lady is is denying herself the opportunity to go far and mm-hmm. and again that's that's a that's like smoking cigarettes or whatever that's like a personal choice right sure, sure. i would also make this argument we i t- we've talked a lot with john about this idea of sins of omission meaning mm-hmm. like it is a sin to not do something that you are capable of doing so that woman perhaps denied the world the fruits of her genius You know, she she may have denied the world the fruits of her wisdom, of her genius. Maybe those books could have helped change the world. Maybe those books would have gotten some kid to like pick up their life and change things around. So I I would say, on a moral front, you know, she's denying herself that, and she's also denying the world the fruits of her genius.
1: And on the on the denying herself that, it's smart to bring up sins of omission because the feeling is similar of that sort of sick feeling in your stomach or just just not, you know all is not right in the world and i think that there when we talk about finding meaning or finding life's purpose or your true passions or any of that sort of bs it does always involve finding that which god-given talents or that which we are so invested in that what we focus on like the things that our attention is naturally drawn to like enhancing that and really living that investing in it sharing it with others that is you know somewhere close to a path to a meaningful life
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So we got to help our friend William here, right? You know, I, I think if I, if I saw William, I'd be like, listen, buddy, it's not an option for you to just have this stuff saved on your hard drive forever and ever and ever. We got to figure out a way you have to, you have to one, prove to yourself. And and like I said, in that process, I think he may also get feedback on things that he can improve. And that that's just good to know as well. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wow. You know, I never thought of it that way. Or you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, chapter 30 is just exposition and not really advancing the plot. So I think, I think that William needs to, we all also, and, and this is something I talked to Roger about, is that we all have to kind of dive into the unknown and see what happens.
1: Yeah. And that, that, that area of chaos is going to be very scary, yes. but herein lies the meaning and, and that's where the magic happens. Um, this makes me kind of think of, okay, what would I tell William? How could we really help him? I think first, first of all, all just this, Understanding the honesty that comes with, I put myself out there on this thing, and like I'm scared. If he were able to start to articulate that to others, more than just "Will you give money to my Kickstarter?" or "Will you share my post on 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 Instagram?" saying to them, "Hey, this is something I've really been working on. It's important to me because X, Y, and Z." And I feel kind of weird bragging about it, but I'm trying to get better at it. And and if you say that honesty, because I've had someone. say it to me. And I'm like, I know you're just full of BS. And what you want me to respond is, Oh no, you're so great. Blah, blah, blah. So, but if you do really feel that coming at that transparently is I think huge. And then there, I think for William, there's like this mental shift that he's got to make that it reminds me of Charlie rocket. Have you been following Charlie rocket? No idea. (laughs) Okay. So he's this guy, I don't know where he came from, but he's been all over social and he has this concept called winning streak. And the idea is just that like, you have to live life like you're on a winning streak. So he goes to coffee, it's $2. He's like, all this joy for $2. Like I'm on a winning streak, like let's go. And then everything it builds and then he gets other people on winning streaks. And and that energy is magnetic. And you know, every 15th post of him, I'm like, okay, chill, Charlie Rocket, like we get it. (laughs) And and that must be exhausting for him, but there is magic in that, that he sets his mind to something. And the the man like had a brain tumor and, and resisted push back to all this stuff became an nba athlete and lost a ton of weight and i do think if you winning streak and you articulate your vision and you say this is what's going to happen you're going to hit obstacles but you know then you know it, this is just going to slow me down or i got to redo my map um that that confidence people will it, people aren't going to come up with a different option so they'll just take whatever you say is going to happen you know and it becomes reality
0: now, I like what you said about this idea of, hey, I'm really unsure about what I wrote. Could you take a look? And you're right. There, there might be a fake version of that. I actually mm-hmm. haven't encountered someone using that. But I like I like overall that technique because I, I think that it's it's kind of being a squeaky wheel, but in a humble place. Mm-hmm. Because if you do that, right, if you say, hey, could you please take a look at this? Then, and that person does give you feedback and you embrace that feedback. Then you're being a genuine squeaky wheel, right? because you're you're actually saying what you mean, Whereas if you're like, "Oh, could you please take a look at this?" And then if someone disagrees with you and you flip out and go, "Oh you, you wouldn't recognize fine art if you if it was hanging right in front of you, then that's like fake humility. So I think that actually doing that and whether the feedback is positive or negative is a good first step.
1: And there's an element of, I mean, it depends on your temperament and personality, but I think they're, you know, bringing humor to it too. Like, you know, shameless plugs and, you know, you've heard this a million times, but all of that goes a long way, just lightens it. Um, And I think, you know, I think so much of what rubs people the wrong way when it comes to humility is insecurity.
0: Right. right. And so it's yeah. really
1: hard to know when you're saying something, how that's reflecting with how someone feels about themselves or their own life experience. And, and that's fair, right? Like, you know, we don't want to insult people by our own, but I mean, I know what John would say is like, that's not your problem. That is projecting and you can't even help them feel less insecure. That's their own journey anyways. And so the only way really to help the insecure feel less secure is to show them the example of someone that can and, you know, hope that they don't bring you down. But it's uh, not easy.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a, a, a very, very difficult balance. So I think that for William, the first step is the internal, the internal realization. I do have something of high quality or it can be of high quality. We just need to, 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 move forward with it. I, I, I and, absolutely agree.
1: And that's impo- like, that needs to be hard, like, or like it needs to be a strong statement that William is making of like, and it, it's written down and it has timelines associated with it. And it's, it's, it's fleshed out. It's not just, Oh, I would like to be something in the sky, but the more precise that aim can be the better and, and confident and, and it's like, a, there's a fake it till you make it thing too, of just mm. getting into the habit of feeling that confidence and building yourself up. And then eventually it's like, wow well, the training wheels are off and I didn't even notice.
0: Um, yes. so it's a
1: big, it's a big start and it's hard, hard to change your mindset to be one of confidence. But I do think that that winning streak component helps a lot. If you can build up those wins um, to, to feel that in the end.
0: I want to take our friend William through two universes, okay? One universe, William uh, prints out his... Not, in this day and age, he's going to be sharing this through Google Drives or something, right? Okay. No, one's, yep. no one's printing out their novel at this point. <laughs> yeah, he's sending his link. And in one universe, uh, and he shares this with his like top 10 close people, family, friends, and so forth. In one universe, everybody's like, William, this is so awesome. Wow. And in the other universe half the people don't read it. Some people get past the first chapter. Some people say this kind of flat out sucks, dude. Try something else. Don't quit your day job. So let's first deal with universe one, William, where everybody likes his stuff. What, what does he do next? Do
1: we think that they're really being honest to him? Like, oh, wow. You would actually go, okay. I mean, (laughs) not everyone's going to like everything all the time. Okay. But let's say it feels really good is like iterate right so keep going i would say immediately like every book you're reading is an experiment and double it up um keep reading until you find something that you get negative feedback on keep going keep the energy up don't stop
0: so would there for for in william's case like he shares it with the first 10 people they all love it and they think it's great that, that's not enough. He needs to, he before he starts posting stuff on Facebook and starts really going hardcore with the promotion, he needs to, to, to send it to more people. Is that what you're saying?
1: Well, let's step back here for a minute. I think William needs to know what he, what his goal is. Okay. So like, yes, you wanna be an amazing author, right? Or, But what is it a, is it a Nobel prize for literature? Is it a published book? Is it, you know, those are all different things. Is it a successful blog? Is it being a household name? And the paths to those things are going to be very different. And this is the same thing we do in marketing is we don't, I don't spend a dollar unless I know what the goal is and the tactics are to, to to support that goal. And the great part about that is if you can track it all, In marketing and i do think this exists with your life then every dollar you spend is never a waste because you're learning you know either way um so i think yeah so so even before he's sending this to people having an aim because it because okay does he want them to give money does he want them to read it again that's going to really impact what he puts out and how he articulates it to other
0: people i got you i got you so he could have that goal of like okay i just want to share this with my close friends and family and that's all that really matters Let's say he's like me and he lives in the, in the grandiose world. Like he, he has the, 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 the right. grandiose. So aims.
1: let's say he wants to get it published. I mean, is that.
0: Yeah. Pub, okay. Published and like recognition for it. Yeah.
1: So then I think in reaching out to those people, he goes to the first 10 people, there's a specific ask there, right. Or like he has that plan for being published. What are the steps to get back? there? And what does he need to do in the next six months to, to pump it up? And so if, if that ask for people is, do you like it so much that what you'll, you'll fill in the blank and then see what you trial and error and kind of do there. But I think if you just blanket, put something out in the world and say, what do you think? They're all going to say, great. And it's kind of like, okay, what do I do now?
0: Yes, yes, yes. And I think, I think that to fill in the blank would be like, you liked it. Awesome. If I wasn't your friend, would you have read it? right? And that's mm-hmm. like the most scariest question to ask.
1: Or ask them to do something, right? Like share it or you share it with a friend or can you give me feedback in one area or something very, very, very specific.
0: See, that's, that's something that actually uh, like would frighten me a little bit is this idea of asking people to write a review or asking somebody to share it on their social media. I feel like, I well, it's I don't know what it is but I feel like there's a mental block because I'm kind of recruiting them to be my employee in some way like I feel like when I give them something to read or something to watch or whatever it is or listen to then I feel like okay this is just like some like, this is like sharing a link right like we do this all the time right. we share youtube links or podcast links and so forth but then I feel like if I took that extra step and said oh would you mind leaving a positive review or would you mind sharing this. I feel like now I'm kind of recruiting you as my employee in some way.
1: And people don't like that. You know, I think that that, this is a really tough one. And even as a kid, my mom would never, I was a Girl Scout and my parents wouldn't let me sell Girl Scout cookies. They would just buy the, buy the minimum I needed because they just thought it was weird to go and our neighbors and the people we love, like asking them for money. It just felt, and then I was competing against these kids. Who's like, dad was a dentist and asked every single one of his patients all day long to buy some girls. And so I think maybe there's a, there's a nature and nurture component to it of just asking others for stuff. And there's give and take people, you know, some people just take, take, take in. And I mean that in the best way, sort of like they're energizer bunnies. and, and I'm just a giver and, and I will, I need to be really cautious of that because I'll just do it all day long, and it feels so gross to me to ask someone to do something for me. And that's yes. just, I I have to just get over that.
0: Yes, yes, I I do I I I do feel you on that, and I actually have that same internal training in my in myself where it's always walk into a room and ask what you can do in that room. Right? It's kind of like that JFK saying, you know, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. And I, I kind of feel that same way in marketing, where it's like, like I almost envision this idea that like your book or whatever it is that you're doing will just like enamor your audience in such euphoria that they can't help but share it. Yeah, but that's probably that's probably delusion. That's probably like a type of delusion. I would say.
1: I don't know. I mean, marketing <laughs> is is I, delusions of grandeur, right? They would say. Yeah. It's a numbers game. It's a volume game, and I mean, we know this about social media everyone is cheating like mm. everyone is cheating and even when you get into like understanding venture capital and money and how these companies are funding themselves they're all completely cheating I'm not cheating but they're not they don't have any money they, it is they are, it is future money that they are playing with it does not even exist wow and there's i mean if you think about venture capital that way and startups in that way Like they're not, the money doesn't exist. They're burning money constantly. And most of the biggest tech companies are. And so, gosh, I don't even, that's a little sad to get back from. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I think knowing that, we talked a lot about games too. It's game theory, right? And if you can take yourself and your personality out of it and third party, try to grow this thing as much as possible, it's a numbers game and you should just be volume posting it Everywhere, as much as possible, like go, go, go. And if you know, if it kind of rubs people the wrong way, let them go. And and maybe like like maybe you start with your family first and say, hey, I'm trying to try to do this for next year. I might seem a little bit annoying, but like just know it's coming. <laughs> um, but yeah, marketing—it's just a sheer volume game. And I think as you know, what the internet has done is. Quality doesn't matter as much. A well-written blog post is never as helpful as six bad ones. So there is there is this element of just getting it out there.
0: That's, that's, you know, Claire, you're actually really opening my eyes on this. And actually, it makes me feel a lot better that a lot of these VC capitalists are just nice they're just walking nice suits basically, right? Like they are burning through money and they don't necessarily have like the secret edge on you. And then like five skyscrapers at their disposal. So that, that right off the bat actually gives me a a, a much uh, greater deal of confidence. So thank you for sharing that. I want to talk about the topic of frequency because you had mentioned post, 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 volume, 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 volume. I would say, 50% 50% of me agrees on that. And here's the 50% that agrees on this. Back when I was a college kid and I was really looking for a job, I would send out like 500 resumes. I would go, I would just sit behind a computer. I didn't care what the comp- like company was. I would just go post, 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 cover letter, cover letter, greetings. I would be a wonderful asset to your blah, 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 mm-hmm. and just go absolutely batshit crazy. And that's a numbers game. That's a f- that's a pure volume thing. Like if you Mm -hmm. want to get a job in this world, you need to send out resumes and be an absolute animal at it. And, and that works And that, in that arena, being aggressive and promoting yourself, making sure that your LinkedIn is like top notch or whatever. I totally get you, Claire. However, we all know these companies that send emails every single day, or they send you know, ma- like snail mail, and, and you know, get fifty percent off, and then you read the fine print, and you're like, no, 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 this is not going to be twenty nine ninety five. I can clearly see that that offer expires after the first six months or something. And 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 we get the we get, and then that actually, like, I, I'm going to be honest with you, when my inbox is being inundated with spam, that does become resentment and and a subtle form of hatred at some yep. point.
1: Yeah, and and from a marketing angle, that starts with brand. So you would wanna know about your brand as you're building it and you should build it based on who your target audience is, but people build brands to be both, right? So if you take a lot of luxury, high-end brands, everything they put out there, is, you know, fine tooth comb. It's very aesthetically important that it's on brand and that the, 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 you know, the voice is just right. Versus there's a lot of other brands where it is a, a sheer, a sheer volume play. And, you know, e-commerce example is an example of that. Cause you just need as many ads, people are clicking on it so that they're buying your stuff. So you just kind of gotta be out there. But then again, you do have e-com brands that try to be really cool. And that's, what's going to sell stuff for them. So there's definitely a balance. I think the way I think about it in my job is in demand generation, there's this concept called account-based marketing. It's very boring, but the point is that you segment everyone you're going out to, and you really think about them in groups. Hmm. And so you have your kind of one-to-ones where you just go directly and every individual you're trying to get on board, you're making a custom marketing for them. So you're marketing to their campaigns, you're using the language they want. In, in your example, it, that would be a personalized email, right? That my resume and my my cover letter is exactly for your company and it speaks right to you. You can't do all those. Those are going to tire you out. Yeah. So even in Williams' example, knowing, okay, these are the people in my network that are important or this, these are the publishers I want to get touched. I'm going to really go after them soft. Then you have your one to fuse. These are people that you might want to segment by group. So they're all this type. So if William, these are all publishers. I'm going to send kind of a mass email to a bunch of publishers, and and that's a little more scalable. And then you would have to your one to many's, which is just kind of try trial and error and all of that. But I think in marketing, there there has just been a trend that more more is more, and less toward brand. And and you know people are just much more forgiving about most things, um, on like the aesthetic quality of things, but. I might be wrong.
0: No, no, I, I think that this is a, a good point you're making that it, it's the, you might like piss a few people off by spamming their inbox. But at the end of the day, the, the research shows that more will get you somewhere. So even though that might be annoying to some, it will. The only counter example I'm trying to think of is I forgot what clothing brand. I wanna say it was Abercrombie and Finch. I'm not entirely sure, but I remember there was this one clothing line that thought that they were so elite that they didn't have to run any commercials. Mm. And the, the idea behind this is, well, we're so freaking awesome. We don't even need to advertise. You know, I'm wondering, I'm wondering how from a marketing perspective that, that sounds to you where it's like you're so confident that what like this is such a luxury brand, or this is just so freaking awesome that like it speaks for itself. And we don't need to have much of that of a research. Yeah.
1: I think in that case it's less confidence that they don't need it. And it's a strategic decision to put money otherwise. And in some cases, if you're up against competitors or in, you're in a market where you can't win, there's no point in spending the money on all the marketing. Like it just, it it doesn't get you anywhere. And if you should, and if you are going to don't, Run TV commercial. Like don't run the most expensive kind that gets, you know, but really starting. And so I think it's again, what's your goal? And what's that unique mix that's going to get you there? In in my work, I try to always have an equation involved in what I'm spending. So if I know that this is the goal, it's going to take me this much spend to get this X, this. And I, I know what those ratios are all the way down. But I, I also I run an, an inside sales team who are effectively cold calling. All day and they're cold calling C level people and people that are really busy. And you know, I would say I've only ever in my career seen one email where the guy said go to hell. Like where (laughs) where the guy was like actually cursing. People sometimes get a little rude, but it's still worth it. Every of these big tech companies, they all have, have large cold calling teams because the volume, you just can't you can't win or you can't lose. Um, if you're at that type of volume and you're having those live conversations with a human being and telling them about your product, it's it just works.
0: Wow. You know, you know Claire, you're actually taking me back to my uh, college days when I did cold calling as well. Yes. And where, I, I, mean, where? Yeah. Oh, man. I think it was for a medical supply, yep. medical advertising, something along those lines. And I remember I, w- I had this list. And I saw like doctors' names because who's buying medical stuff? Doctors, yeah. right? And I was, you know, I was like nineteen years old, super intimidated. Like I'm gonna call a doctor and blah 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 but after like the first like 3 or 4 phone calls i'm like i don't give a crap who's on the other end of this line like you get to this magical point of like it doesn't matter who's on the other end of this line like you're already used to the rejection and you know cold calling can be monotonous but at the same time it does teach you that life is a probability game that yeah. that the more the more you do something and the less you care about the person on the receiver not from a like detached narcissist Kind of point of view, but from a, okay, whatever the word, like the best thing that's going to happen to me is I'm going to make a 15% commission. The right. worst thing that's going to happen to him is I interrupted his sandwich and his lunch break or something like that. So I, I think that's, that's a good mental energy. That's like a good mental gymnastics. So I like kind of get this, uh, this, this point through.
1: Yeah. It, it sort of is a, a good metaphor because to your point, like you weren't going to have an effective conversation with that doctor unless you spoke with a a certain amount of confidence.
0: Yes. And
1: that is something that I definitely try to train is careful of that nervous energy, right? Like let's just relax it on the phone and not in a smug kind of way, but that confidence, that's the only thing someone's going to sell to, because if you seem unsure in even a, a moment you know we're all just blindly navigating life, and yeah. we'll, if someone lives with confidence and points us in one direction, we're gonna go. Okay. Let's
0: go back to our second universe, William. So okay. second universe, William, man, people are not liking this book. They're not reading it. They can't get past chapter one. Should he still fake it until he makes it? Like should he still like ask more people and more aggressively market himself, or does William have to have an honest conversation in the mirror?
1: The first book seems a little early to me. I mean I I think
0: Oh, William has to write three books. <laughs> okay,
1: three books. There you go. I mean I, I definitely think living in a certain amount of truth and being realistic about what's going on is always helpful. Okay. But sure, don't give up on your dream, man. Like especially not after one, two, three. So I would say keep at it. Keep trying. Try different audiences. Try to make your work better. You know, put in the 10,000 hours. That's going to get you really good. And, you know, not everyone can be Shakespeare. And you might not be that 1% that will be, you know, the, the, the best of the best. But you can get really, really, really good. Um, and I'd, I, I would have confidence that William, if he stuck with it, could just keep on it, but like that wears you down. And also back to our cold calling example, you can have the most confidence in the world. Once you get the 200th rejection, it just hurts. Yeah. Um, and so protecting, you know, protecting your psyche in that way, being careful, you know, Peterson says, be, be careful who you share good and bad news with. Um, And I think we, we, we know people love us. But sometimes they're just not ready to hear good or bad news because because we see this thing re- reflected on their face and it just makes us want want to throw up. Um, so just being cautious of, of how we internalize that feedback, then yeah, dust it off, get back on the horse.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that like in that in that example, if that particular book was getting really, really negative reviews, then you don't want to be, Fake bragging or fake marketing yourself—you you don't want to be like, yeah, this this thing is like, uh, you know, this is as good as sliced bread and so forth, if it just really isn't. And that takes a, a critical honesty within yourself.
1: And it, it's 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 easy in that situation to forget that you wrote the book, right? Yeah. That it's sort of like failed, and therefore my map and my identity of myself is off. But in truth, you're in a way better situation because you you accomplished something and you have, you have feedback. And so I would try to get really specific feedback on that thing and rewrite it. And, and it's, 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 it's so weird that we get blind to that. I was just talking to a colleague, uh, just a friend, and he was just frustrated with work and where he was. And I'm like, dude, four months ago, we were having a conversation about a different problem. You've since, since, since been promoted and you're having issues in this new role and he's, it was sort of blind to the fact that he got what he wanted. You know, I'm like, yeah. this is what you wanted, dude. There's pain at every level and especially the higher you go.
0: Yes, absolutely. Last thing I want to touch upon, Claire, is how exactly do you know that your marketing is working? Now, you obviously come from, you know, you have probably in the marketing world, like advanced research and diagnostics and, and data science. But for your average schmo, how would you... Like what? What kind of mental gauges or quick mental things could they do to sort of evaluate whether that hundred Facebook posts are actually doing something?
1: Oh, this is fun! <laughs> I wish I had a whiteboard. So <laughs> let's say that it's William selling his books. Yeah, and he needs to sell copies of his books, and he needs to. He wants to run Facebook ads, and he wants to send emails and he wants to call some of his network. What we're gonna try, we wanna work backwards from William for something that's called like a cost per acquisition. And so all of those dollars, and this is what we any marketing team does on a grand scale, is it's a calculus equation where you're starting to figure out, okay, I need to spend, if I spend $1,000 on Facebook ads, I know that they, based on the quality of my ads and I'm experimenting to see how they go, I know I'll get 500 clicks of those 500 clicks. I know that 20 people will scroll through the site and five people will buy the book. So then I start to know what my cost to acquire those five customers were and then it all becomes math. And so you're constantly looking at all these different channels and saying, okay, how much did it cost to push that person down the funnel? And can I, evaluate that. So when I also throw an inside sales team in there, that's another step in the kind of funnel. So it, it costs this much for me on PR to even get someone to my site. And then it costs this much for them to fill out a form. And then I got a column and qualify it. And each of those becomes sort of a, a calculus element in the equation. But this goes back to, if you don't know where you're aiming, what that goal is at the end, it's really hard to walk back back from. And so I think in every element of our life, really understanding what is the intention mm. for what I do? Why am I going to the gym? Is it to lose weight? Is it to feel better? Like what, what am I here for? And, and really dialing down on what that intention is and building tactics to help you achieve those goals. Because I think a lot of times we're running tactics without thinking whether they're the right one for what we're trying to accomplish.
0: Let, let's suppose our friend, William, has grandiose goals like million millions of copies sold. Do you recommend Claire that first he scale back his goals? Like let's just say the overarching goal is like a million copies sold or some some J.K. Rowling kind of level of yeah. success. Would you say that he scale back his goals to like let's see you get a thousand people to buy this book first? Like do you think that that's a reasonable step that he should take?
1: Yeah, I mean I think what this is accomplishing is aim one million copies thing. That's still going to get you aiming somewhere. But I'm not sure it's as realistic. And so if you were to have that 1 million goal, you still would need to timeline it backwards and set your tactics on the timeline. And that's just going to be a long timeline. So you might as well start with 1,000, make that timeline a year. And how you interact within that timeline is really going to be everything. So I, I think realistic goals are absolutely important with the aim. And then that aim becomes more of a mantra. It becomes more of a religious images come to my mind, right? But it's just some ideal that you're striving for.
0: I got it. So I, No, I actually like the last thing you said. So the million copies or the JK Rowling success is a religious image that lives like in your apartment or lives in the back recesses of your mind. But then you really focus on, I got to get a thousand people to buy this book. And that's like the goal that you kind of just obsess about in your head for the next year.
1: And think about the other goals that aren't as simple as just less copies, right? So I need to get comfortable public speaking. I need to get over this whole confidence thing that I have with my peers. And to do that, I'm going to do some like rejection therapy, right? Or like, I, here's some tactics that I can go do. So think about all the things. And that's, I mean, it's kind of hard to do before you're even in it, but it certainly would help.
0: Yes, yes, and it's it's working on all the other skill sets that go behind that overarching goal.
1: Yeah, I mean it's 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 one that I really struggle with because I don't like myself sometimes when I feel like I'm being bossy or I feel like I come across like a know-it-all or any of that, but that's okay too if you're watching it and feeling it. And so I think what I'm kind of taking away from this conversation is live in confidence, you know, go fight for what you want tell people about it if it's honest. And if it feels kind of icky, listen to that, right? And and adjust. And and that's human.
0: Claire, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Yeah, I hope we helped William.
0: Yes. And you also also helped Aaron as well.
1: (laughs) And myself. Thank you for having me, Aaron. Pleasure.